At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And for once, we are rolling straight into the episode with the most direct and literal energy um, oh. ever documented on this entire podcast. I, for one, am ready for a completely serious uh, feet on the ground episode oh no. of informational content, zero goofs. Oh no. No filler, all killer. I was not, I did not, this was not run by me before, before recording. <laughs> I'm promoting myself to executive producer of the podcast. Oh, I did not agree to these terms. <laughs> I was not present for any sort of discussion, any, any sort of meeting. That's showbiz, baby. I mean, you're not wrong, but <laughs> yeah, you're right. I feel like we're going to go in with a very grounded energy because none of us made any wild life-changing decisions today. Certainly not. Certainly none of us are leaving for a vacation tomorrow and extremely ready to be away from our desk for a week. Okay, so on your end, we've got vacation energy, and on my end, we've got... God, I am bubbling with vacation energy. <laughs> I love that for you. Um, I, I'm not quite on vacation yet, but I did get my first tattoo today. Hell so yeah. I'm riding like the weirdest adrenaline high combined with feeling like very, I'm very much a sleepo beepo right now as well. Um, <laughs> I, I have a job now where literally not only do I have my cell phone, I have a second cell phone that is just for the purpose of people <gasps> bothering me with work. Oh my God, you have a business phone? <laughs> I have a business, I have a business cell phone. I have a work cell. I have my yeah. landline in my office, but I also have a work cell because it's imperative that people be able to bother me at any time. Oh no. <laughs> so I am so excited to not only have a vacation where I can turn off one phone, but a vacation where I can turn off two whole phones. These millennials these days and their phones. <laughs> yeah. I've heard some of them even have two. <laughs> two phones. Your mom lets you have two phones. Um, yeah, so that's very nice. I probably actually will not turn off my personal phone, um, but I will absolutely just like lock my business phone in a drawer somewhere. I am Respect. ready. I'm ready. I completely respect that. I'm laughing because I just realized you made a reference to that, like, horrible old, like, your mom lets you have two hot dogs, <laughs> yeah. and I I haven't thought of that in, in many, many, many a year, but that's fine. I, yeah, um, this isn't a tattoo cast, this is not the ink cast, but, like, I did, I did get a tattoo, a tattoo today from a, a wonderful artist. I'm gonna plug the artist if you're in the Los Angeles area and you want, like, a really like lovely, genuinely like relaxing, as relaxing as a tattoo can be experience. Uh, I went to Phoenix, Mendoza. Um, it is deeply cursed, though. It is a deeply cursed experience. Tell okay. them how many Furbies. <laughs> Listen, okay, she's an amazing and very like empathetic and like kind artist with a very wonderful like bedside manner, if you can call it that. I'm not sure what to call it when a tattoo artist is really nice to work with like that, but uh, um, but. I will, yeah, you should know if you go to her that her studio is, like, full of Furbies. 
So many Furbies. And she has a lot of I just feel like there needs to be a real life content warning on that. You cannot just tell people, go to this very nice tattoo artist and not tell them. You're right, I'm sorry. You will be beseeched with Furby energy. She is is lovely, though. If you can get around the Furbies, she's very lovely and um, uh, plays like... Uh, like Tegan and Sarah uh, while you get tattooed and it's very nice Um, and you can hear her pet pigeons cooing in the other room but uh, um, she does have a long Furby that I stared at as like a he was like my point of focus for a lot of my tattooing experience do you want to know his name please tell me his name is look away what his name is look away I mean yeah He was a good boy. I liked him. He was like a white long Furby with like little like kind of creepy little blue eyes Oof. and a little tuft on him head. Anyway, Oof. we're not we're not talking about Furbies today. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. That's a promise I wish you would have made about five minutes ago. I will say here's a here's a segue. Here's an effective segue. When I was a child, I really wanted a Furby for Christmas, and my mom wouldn't get me one because she is very afraid of them. So uh, yeah, because Gina has her head on straight. Yes. So I asked for one from uh, the big man in the red suit, Santa Claus himself. He did not bring it to me because, of course, he respects my parents and their wishes. Uh, But Mm -hmm. if I were perhaps a child living in Italy, a Christian child in Italy, I would have perhaps asked for my Furby to come from a kindly old witch who rides a broomstick named La Befana. La Befana. La Befana. Sorry, I don't speak Italian. It's okay. Oopsie. All I know about La Befana is what we did in my um, my one year of Italian that I took. So What did you do? We just, we did like a coloring sheet and we, we just had some activities. We just talked a little bit about La Befana, but um, I, despite being raised like ostensibly Italian, um, I, we didn't like do La Befana or anything. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. part of our family's tradition. So I never yeah. like, I never wrote letters to La Befana. I never like Mm-hmm. She was not part of my my cultural iconography growing up. We were a Santa Claus household. But I do yeah. know about La Befana in sort of the abstract. And I'm very yes. excited to hear more. Thank you for the pronunciation check, by the way, because I would have pronounced her name wrong the entire episode and so many people would have written to me to tell me that I'm wrong. Here's what you need to know about Italian phonics. Uh-huh. You have to be you have to pronounce every syllable. There are no silent syllables in Italian ever. Perfect. And um you just have to be the most extra. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Follow those two rules and you will have perfect Italian pronunciation every single time. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> no, it's true. That seems too simple. <laughs> N- Italian's pretty easy, to read at least. Grammar's a little weird because there are so many rules in the Italian language that exist solely to make the language sound prettier. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So, like, for example, when you're doing prepositions, there is a different prepositional form for every kind of article. Huh. Because they all have to create liaisons with the the letters next to them in order to sound nice. Maybe English should give that a try sometime. Yeah, right? We're not nearly as pretty of a language, but that's... We uh, certainly are not. Okay, well, anyway. um, Yeah, I actually... um, One of my best friends growing up uh, is... um, uh, Like, her family is pretty Italian, and Mm -hmm. they do, like, the Feast of the Seven Fishes and a few Italian Christmas traditions. But as far as I know, they also didn't really engage with the La Befana of it all. I I don't think think that's a very Italian-American thing. Feast of the Seven Fishes is very Italian-American, but La Befana is not so much. I think she's much more, like, Italian in Italy. Mm, Yeah. Um, And even then, I think she's probably, like, as far as I could tell, she's maybe gone out of vogue a little bit as Santa Claus has become more of the more like ubiquitous 
Yeah. But also, I want to give a heads up at the top that there are, uh, in case people uh, tweet at me with the version that they heard growing up or the version that they're familiar with, there are a couple different versions of the origin of La Bifana. I'll talk about them. But one of them that is... Um, considerably more uh, overtly Christian and that ties her directly to the Feast of the Epiphany and another mm-hmm. one that is probably likely to be where like La Bifana came from which is sort of a vaguer like kind crone that was around like the winter celebration times in like more pagan traditions so mm-hmm. there's some crossover and I'm gonna sort of for the purposes of this episode treat them all with the same name but obviously in, in terms of, like, most of the time in, like, Italian Christmas celebrations, they are referring to the Christian version of the story. Uh, cool. So, yeah. All right. Um, so, with all that out of the way, I would like to first begin with uh, just a little um, just a little uh, information from the Wikipedia page, because it's just a nice little primer. There's not a cryptids page on Lebifana. So. Oh, darn. Can you imagine? That would be wonderful. Then we're sunk. What are we supposed to do now? I know. She's obviously a figure in Italian folklore, and I mentioned she's often tied, or not often, almost exclusively tied, to the Epiphany feast, which, if you don't know, is the night of January 5th. And she is sort of treated as another version of, like, a Santa Claus figure, a gift giver, and her name derives from the Feast of Epiphany. It's Festa dell'Epifania. Um, Epiphania is the Latin, Latin word with Greek origins. It means manifestation of the divine. And then there's also some suggestions that she comes from a uh, Roman goddess, that she sort of stemmed from some, like, leftover vestiges of Roman Roman mythology. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But essentially, she visits on the Feast, the feast of the Epiphany to give all the good children candy and presents. She fills their socks with candy, like the stocking imagery mm-hmm. that you're used to in American Christmas stuff. And she brings presents. And then if they're bad, they get a lump of coal. So much closer to the Santa Claus versions that we know in the States, um, very, not nearly as uh, double-sided as someone like uh, Frau Perkta or some of the other oh, Christmas figures. Not. If you're bad, the worst you're going to get is a lump of coal, which honestly, it's not a very clean form of energy, but otherwise it's not really that bad. <laughs> like, it's fine. So uh, also, it's typically... Uh, known that she she rides around on a broomstick in some versions. In some versions, she just carries the broom. Uh, it depends on the story that you're going with. But either way, if your house is a little bit messy, when she comes into your home, she does come down the chimney like Santa. She'll do a little bit of sweeping up before she goes. I love that. I'm glad. I'm very glad. Especially, it's very considerate of her, especially if she is entering through your chimney, because it's likely she made a bit of a mess. So she's cleaning up after herself before she heads on out. <laughs> And then it's customary also, somewhat like how we leave, uh, at least I grew up leaving uh, cookies and milk for Santa. Um, You are supposed to leave her out some food, uh, and you're also supposed to um, leave her out a glass of wine. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yes, you leave her a glass of wine and some some snacks uh, to show your gratitude for her coming to bestow her gifts upon you. And I enjoy that because it's very close to with Santa, but instead she likes to party. Oh, yeah. She's portrayed as a, like, kindly old woman wearing a black shawl, usually riding a broomstick, and she's covered in, like, smudges of soot on her clothes and her face because she comes in and out of chimneys. So she's usually smiling, and she carries, like, a big bag or a hamper filled with candy and presents. Keep talking. I am Googling something truly cursed. Um, But you, by all means, keep talking. I am... Okay. (laughs) I just need... I need to know something. But I am listening. 
Okay. She's also sometimes referred to as the Christmas witch. I do like that, yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. I, I want people to think of me that way, honestly. As a Christmas witch? As a Christmas witch, yeah. If people, if people colloquially referred to me as the Christmas witch, I would be delighted. That's actually quite sweet, isn't it? Um, so there's actually, I'll hop back over to the Wikipedia page in a second, because it was the easiest way for me to find kind of a uh, conglomeration of the stories without having to try to translate pages from Italian myself, because a lot of the pages on her, like, on her origin and her legend are in Italian. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do not speak Italian, as has been evidenced (laughs) by my pronunciation of Italian. (laughs) So... I will hop back over to Wikipedia, but first, I want to go over to, uh, like, a tourism page. This is a website called liveitaly.com, L-I-V-I-T-A-L-Y.com. It's an Italy travel site, and there's specifically a little bit about the uh, Christmas tradition of La Befana. Um, It says that this dates back uh, as a Christian tradition to the 13th century, and uh, it talks a little bit about some of the actual, like, festivities in modern-day Italy. So a lot of stores will sell red stockings for children to leave out for her. And it's a festival. Um, La Befana is used as sort of a catch-all word, not just to refer to her, but to refer to the Feast of the Epiphany. So you'll often see, like, La Befana used as just, like, the name of the holiday and not just to refer to her. So that's also, like, kind of what you would call the festival. The headquarters of sort of La, uh, the Bafana's, like, festivities in Italy are in Rome's Piazza Navona. You can find a market with food and gift stalls and a traditional merry-go-round. And then there's a there's a parade called the Parade of the Magi. Uh, 1,300 participants in ancient costume escort the Magi to deliver three symbolic gifts to Pope Francis, and that's kind of part of the big festival. And then... The Befana, the, as in the witch, not the holiday, waits for the children at the Rome Biopark. And you can participate in recreational educational initiatives aimed at families to spend a day of celebration with the animals that inhabit the park. And then there's like basically a big feast day. You walk through, you look at the Christmas lights. There's a massive Christmas tree and Piazza, Piazza Ming... I'm sorry. Piazza <laughs> Mignanelli? I think is how you say it. Um, <laughs> How's it spelled? Um... Uh, M, I just scrolled past it. M I G N A N E L L I, Mignanelli. Mignanelli. Minya. Mignanelli. Yeah, the G N makes like a nia sound, like a nyoki. Ah, thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. Um, this is a little bit more of like kind of like a travelogue thing than anything else, but there's some lovely pictures if you decide to look it up, and it just. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I did find what I was looking for. What'd you look for? <laughs> Um, it's going to be a little bit of a diversion. Is that okay? I don't want to take fine. you away what from the middle of your at? travelogue. We were talking and it suddenly occurred to me that, um, well, something occurred to me. And then it occurred to me that if it occurred to me, it had almost certainly occurred to someone else on the internet. Someone with far less restraint, far more free time. Mm-hmm. And so what I was curious about is I was just perhaps wondering if anyone in all of the far reaches of, for example, Wattpad had ever written... <laughs> Uh-huh. Fiction. Fiction about Santa Claus and La Befana, simply because they have so much in common. Um, you will be very relieved to know I had to do several searches before anything came up, which means there's not much of it. In fact, I can only find one, but one does exist. Mm-hmm. And it's a Rise of the Guardians fan fiction with La Befana as an OC. Okay, listen. <laughs> I want to be angry, but honestly, I don't know if I can find it in my heart to be mad. 
<laughs> you can't. It's also like it's it's rated K plus. Okay, so good. It's uh, not that. No, it's it's just fiction. like it's a small, complete one shot published January eight, twenty thirteen. Um, it seems fairly wholesome. I've not read it, but uh, that's better than I was expecting. Oh, good. Well, before I get back into the lore of it all, I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the kind of travel, like the kind of like the festivities and like the sort of like cute, mm-hmm. fun, like the modern version of kind of how the celebrations go down. I found a few. And again, these are like written to draw in tourism. So they're like... This thing sure, is wonderful and very, very good. So, like, I don't know. Personally, I can't vouch for it, but it sounds really nice. And I like reading about kind of other countries' holiday celebrations. So, really quick, uh, from ItalyChronicles.com, which uh, has the subheader, The Italy You Don't Know. And this is sort of trying to highlight, like, <laughs> it sounds ominous. It more means it's trying to highlight kind of, like, hidden gems of the country and things like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I get um, that. So, this is a little piece from, a little blog from the 5th of January, 2014, by Jenny M. Want. And it's, where does La Bifana live in Italy? Find out here. <laughs> La Bifana is... Oh, wow, I can't believe they're just about to blow up her <laughs> I know, spot I like that. I can't believe they doxed La Bifana. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe they doxed La That's so messed up. Um, so <laughs> there's a, a city called Barga, B-A-R-G-A, I would imagine. That's how you say it. Uh, uh, and yeah, they call so. themselves Cita della Bifana, town of Bifana. Um, they have it on their sign, like their little like welcome to sign has a little like illustration of like an old woman by a cottage and it says Bar- Barga Cita della Bifana. And so on January 5th, she comes in and meets the children of the town, many of whom dress up in traditional costumes. They go around bars and shops and groups singing traditional songs in return for which they are rewarded with handfuls of sweets and other treats. Uh, and they walk around armed with baskets in which to carry their rewards. This is like um, the much more, uh, it's the child-friendly version of what happens with, say, the, the Mario Lloyd that we talked about last time. <laughs> oh, sure, going... when Italian people in Italy go around singing and bothering their neighbors, it's charming and seasonal. <laughs> but when I do it, I'm disrupting the peace. Alex, <laughs> you can make that joke, but also consider that what they're doing is basically trick-or-treating. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, it's just trick-or-treating, but for Christmas. Um, then there's usually a band. There's wandering musicians. And then there's... This is the only reference I found, because probably I didn't dig deep enough into the into the parade and celebration side of it. But um, there's sort of that... In the festivity side of things, La Befana has, like, a group of companions that travel with her. Uh, it says right here, Time for the adults. The evening really belongs to the adults. It is the time when the Befanas and their Befanotti come out to play. There are many Befanas on this night of fun. In fact, there's usually a fancy dress competition for the best one, which is nice. But it says, the plurality of this character on this night could, of course, be a diversionary tactic. If there are lots of them, then no one will notice the absence of the real Bifana, allowing her to ride the length and breadth of Italy on her broomstick, delivering gifts to all the children. God, that's amazing. That's like the scene in Spider-Verse where, like, everyone's wearing a Spider-Man Everyone's costume. a Spider-Man. Anyone can wear the broomstick. Okay, um... The companions of the Befanas are the Befanotti, a rather unsavory-looking bunch of men who look as if they could do with a good wash. However, they can be forgiven because wherever they go, they sing, make music, and bring smiles to people's faces. They collect money for charity and also drink quite a lot. (laughs) And then there's big bonfires. And 
Um, it says uh, in the bo- there's bonfires and a celebration in the piazza. Uh, a witch, not real, traverses the piazza overhead throughout the evening. She's like a decoration, not like an actual person. They don't mean not oh, real, okay. like she does not possess magic. They there's like a picture. She's like a it's like a figure, like a like a not a puppet, but like something kind of like a puppet. We're all puppets. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Alex. You're intruding on my cheerful Christmas time energy right now. Sorry. Thank please, you. Please do finish. I love Lebafana. I love Christmas and I love you. And thank I love you. Now, all the people. In this town, there is a house that supposedly belongs to Lebafana. She lives nearby. Sorry, not in Barga, but in a nearby town, a tiny hamlet, hamlet of. And if it's the pronunciation rule you just taught me, where G N is like a nya sound, uh-huh. then it's the tiny hamlet of Penyana. Yeah, that sounds right. Perfect. It's immaculately clean and set among the chestnut trees which grow there. It is to this little house that many people flock on January 6th. It is the main at-home day on the Befana's calendar. Of course, adults are needed to bring the children, but the Befana's focus is not on them. It is the children's day. After all her traveling the night before, it is amazing she has the energy. I feel like asking her for some of what she takes. The Befana <laughs> lives in her little house throughout the year and receives visitors on Sundays and feast days. Pop along and see! She is there at other times, too, sometimes by appointment. However, a surprise visit may lead you to an empty house. La Befana will probably be in the woods, collecting sticks for the fire, chestnuts, fruits, berries, and mushrooms. Um, you can contact her. She has a, an official email address if you want to contact her to visit her at her house. La Befana? She does. It's Barga at libero.it. Whoa, hang on a second. Are you going to email her? Yeah, write an email to La Befana with me. Okay, what are you going to write? I don't know yet. <laughs> okay. Like, if I write her, will she write me back? I don't know. You can, It just says you can contact her directly at her email address. Oh. I hope it's like a Santa thing where I can write her and she'll write me back. I hope so. It sounds to me, I was actually going to say, I'll finish this little piece here. Um, for the town of Barga, La Befana is for life, not just for epiphany. She exists for us Aww. in the real sense and helps preserve traditions. Um, so that's I really love that piece particularly. I think it's very sweet because it reminds me of something we talked about in our Santa Claus episode, which is the idea that like whether or not there is literally a real Santa, whether or not there is literally a real benevolent Christmas witch who comes on her broom to bring presents and candy to the children, there is this Im- like there is this embodiment of like the spirit of like joy and giving and light and family and innocence and all of these kind of lovely things and it makes me really happy Mm -hmm. that this town has like really really leaned into that and embraced it and made it like as real and as year-round as possible i just think it's kind of so lovely i just think it's real sweet i I just thought it was really sweet and last last episode was about a skeleton horse and while i love the bone horse i thought perhaps a little more overtly wholesome (laughs) well yeah bone horse nothing about the phrase bone horse is wholesome no is that not good for you do you not like that um, I never said that. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, listen. I'm going to hop back over to Wikipedia and talk a little bit about the variations on the legend of her origin. So, of course, there is... Before you leave that page, remind me of Love Befana's email address. Her email address is Befana Barga, mm. B-A-R-G-A, mm-hmm. at libero, L-I-B-E-R-O dot I-T. Bless. Are you really going to email her? No. Just remind me, because I'm not sure, I, I, t- I was not prepared for the fact that I could email her. Is this specifically, like, to book appearances or for information or whatever? Or is this just, like, a general, like, email Labafana thing? 
It sounded like it was a general email and not for booking appearance. Perfect. Not for just booking. Because for booking, they had another way to make it, another Perfect. Okay, point. great. Are you going to write her an email? I'm going to try to write her an email in Italian, which probably will not go well for me because I don't remember that much Italian. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so I will say before I talk, the, the legend highlighted in the... Uh, in the Wikipedia article, there are two variations on the sort of biblically linked um, one. I will say that there's also a, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the Roman goddess as well as um, there is a, uh, there are a couple different sources on this one, but there is kind of an, like a, a lot of it predates, unfortunately, like the written, like any like written record of it. But in terms of what I could find, the vagueness of like, when you learn about like pre-Christian pagan, like holiday celebrations it's kind of hard to access some of that because some of it was not written down and some of it was destroyed um but uh there is this classic uh rendition of mother nature that goes along with sort of um the end of the year celebration where the idea is that mother nature as she goes through the cycle of the year uh becomes Mm -hmm. this old woman toward the end of the year when it's winter and that she in some versions and some of the holiday celebrations and some of the like especially like the yule celebrations she like visits people to bring gifts or to just like bring prosperity in general because she's like a sign of the coming revival and the revitalization of the Uh new year so she comes mother nature essentially visiting as a kindly old woman and so there is it needs to be said that there's some overlap between that imagery and that timing with the idea of la Befana. totally i love that so yes so in a lot of pre-Christian traditions, uh, there is there are a lot of variations. I'll talk a little bit about that because we should. Yes, we'll have time. I'll talk a little bit about that. There's a lot of um, variations on like um, old women, particularly in the wintertime. And as these like kind spirits, old women as the divine. Mm-hmm. So I'll anyway, I'll hit on that in a second. But in terms of the particular links between her and Christmas and the Epiphany, um, there is uh, the, the Christian legend right here, as it, as known, is that um, Bifana was approached by the three wise men a few days before the birth of Jesus. They asked for directions as they had seen the star in the sky, but she did not know. She provided them with shelter for a night as she was considered the best housekeeper in the village with the most pleasant home. They invited her to join them on the journey to find the baby Jesus, but she declined, stating she was too busy with her work. Later on, she had a change of heart and tried to search out the three wise men. That night, she was not able to find them. So to this day, she is out there searching for a little baby that she can leave a gift. Aww. So the baby is the gift. she has... Oh no, Alex. His name um, is Jesus Christ. <laughs> but that's why she has her broom in that variation too. It's like she was like in the middle of doing her work and she's like, ah, I gotta go see what all this is about. And she runs out with her broom still in her hand. Um, oh, I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah, she's like a little frazzled. Um, but uh, she leaves all the good children toys and candy or fruit. Uh, she leaves the bad children coal, onions or garlic. And honestly, listen... I mean, I love onions and garlic, same. and those for a also what Italian child is going to be upset to receive garlic or onions? I mean, I guess it would be the same as like if you're an American kid, just like getting, getting. a handful of French fries. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's like listen, it's not toys, but it's not bad. No, but it's just kind of like really weird. <laughs> it's sort of like I mean, okay, <laughs> I guess. God, I love garlic. I would be so happy if someone brought me garlic for Christmas. Yeah. Um, 
popular tradition tells that if one sees La Befana when she doesn't want to be seen, like if you wake up in the night to try to catch her leaving mm-hmm. your presence, that she will thump you with her broomstick. Oh, I love that. She does not want to be seen. Now, of course, this is possibly just a thing parents tell their kids to keep them Don't in bed look on at Christmas. me. Don't perceive me. Literally. Again, it's possibly just something that they tell the kids to keep them from sneaking out of bed to see. Because what I was always told is if you uh, see Santa when he's delivering the presents, that he'll, like, leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and there are, of course, a couple other variations on the story, but that seems to be the most common one. Uh, in terms of her tied to Christmas itself as a Christian holiday. Um, And then, like I said, her origins probably almost certainly, though not by that same name, predate Christianity by quite a lot. Now, before I go on to talk a little bit more just about um, the, uh, about the, uh, about, oh my God, I cannot talk about Levifana and about Christmas and all that good stuff. Um, I want to talk about the Roman goddess that is occasionally sort of oh, yes, yeah. brought up in a conversation with her. In Roman religion, ancient Roman religion, uh, Strenua or Strenia is the goddess of the new year, purification, and well-being. She is essentially the symbol, like a symbol of the new year. She comes, obviously, around the same time as La Befana is associated with, which is the 5th of January, like the beginning of the new year. She, um, it's, her name comes from the origin of the word strenai, uh, or strenia. Um, this is a, uh, the word for the new year gifts Romans exchanged as good omens and an extension of the public right. Essentially, here is a quote here, uh, from a scholar who draws the connection between La Befana and Strenua. So this is um, from the book mm-hmm. Vestiges of Ancient Manners and Customs Discoverable in Modern Italy and Sicily by Reverend John J. Blunt. The author says, This Befana appears to be heir at law of a certain goddess called Strenia, who presided over the New Year's gifts, Strenai, from which indeed she derived her name. Her presents were of the same description as those of the Befana, figs, dates, and honey. Moreover, her Solemnites were vigorously opposed by the early Christians on account of their noisy, riotous, and licentious character. And honestly, they sound like a good time. And that sounds like an extremely good time. I'm so here <laughs> for it. They sound like a very good time. But uh, essentially, um, the way one of the ways she was celebrated was there was a, like a grove of trees that was her shrine. And on January 1st, twigs from her grove were carried in a procession to the citadel. And then that rite is noted as occurring on New Year's Day, the first time it occurred in 153 BC. And then um, it's unclear whether it had always been held on that date or had been transferred from another place on the calendar. It's possible it used to be in March. There's a whole bunch of debate about that. But as far as we can sort of trace, Mm -hmm. she was this ancient Roman symbol of prosperity in the new year and was celebrated with gifts of fruit and honey, so sweets, and occurs around the same period of time that uh, La Befana makes her visits to all the children. So like I said, there's some discussion about her perhaps coming from that tradition. And then, like I said, also there's the Mother Nature tradition um, that comes from all across Europe in a pre-Christian sense. So anyway, what I'm saying is there's all kinds of variations on kindly old women coming around the beginning of January to bring fruit and candy. I think I just want to be La Befana the more I think I mean, about I respect it. that like, wholeheartedly. I want, I want fruit and sweet treats and to thump people with my broom. I want to be working hard and then suddenly realize <laughs> I have to go off on a small Christmas quest. 
podcast. Oh my gosh. There's something so wonderful. And I think it's the same part of me that when I'm like doing my laundry, hoists the basket against my hip. Like I'm like a hardworking, like farm girl in the 1800s. And you like tie a little shawl around your head. There are few joys that I love more wholesomely and entirely than when I'm in the kitchen and I sling a dish towel over my shoulder and I dust off my hands from flour and I get to work. Sometimes I make oatmeal with like real steel cut oats and I stir in like the butter and I like think to myself like oh how decadent it is for a how decadent it is for a farm girl like me um (laughs) because like truly I can feel it in like my uh in like the I have very broad shoulders and the way Mm -hmm. that like my my body like builds muscle mass particularly I'm like I know that I'm like of farms like I was I am descended from yes I am descended from many like a uh a hearty farm woman in in the hills of Ireland like I it just feels right to me and so there's something about that same energy the idea of I want to like I want to like I want to like grab my broomstick and my sack of oranges for the children and be like oh there's work to do on this epiphany feast and (laughs) head out to deliver joy and a symbol of coming prosperity um I'm glad you understand exactly what I'm talking about no, I get it. Um, actually, there's something that I think about all the freaking time, which is a tweet that our friend Grace made one time, which is basically just about, about like the joys of being a simple field mouse and drinking the morning dew drops. <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, refreshing cordial. It's like the, like the simple rustic country oh mouse my God, energy it's that so I crave. Good. Well, there's specifically, there's a book that I love. Um, there's a book called Chocolat. Um, that it was made into a movie. The movie is fine, but the book is lovely. And it is about this woman who's like a single mother in this little French village and she's a chocolatier and she works very, very hard in her very modest house to make beautiful chocolates for the village. And I... It's, it, there's a lot of other stuff in the story and like her relationship with her daughter and it's quite a lovely, genuinely a lovely book. But when I first read it when I was about 14, I was just like, I want that. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to live in a rustic French cottage and get up at five o'clock in the morning to make to make the chocolates. Side note, this email is going nowhere. I got one sentence in and forgot all Italian. What did you write? <laughs> I got a child Befana, son of an American, with a podcast called the Cryptid Keeper, <laughs> and that's all I got. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, tell her that you want to be just like her, but I don't remember how to do that's that. Fair. So I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about. Um, there's a little. I actually found a little blog entry by someone who grew up uh, around La Befana that was actually written in English, and therefore I did not have to try to Ooh. risk a Google Translate, which <laughs> very would make me nice. very nervous. And this is actually from. This this year, this is from January 6, 2019. Um, this was written by Francesca Bezzone. Oh, uh, yeah, Francesca Bezzone. Um, and uh, she writes about um, kind of, first of all, just starts with some of the information we already talked about, like about uh, the um, uh, the Feast of the Epiphany and how La Bifana comes and brings you candy and such. And it says right here, um, 
As a kid, La Befana would enter my thoughts pretty much straight after I unwrapped Jesu Bambino's gifts on the morning of the 25th. With a type of accuracy and organization I was not to keep as an adult, I would mentally go through all that I did not get that morning under the tree and select the type of gifts <laughs> La Befana was most likely to bring. Yes, because you must know she is a poor lady and cannot afford all the fancy stuff that you get on Christmas. Once this relatively complex process ended, I had to ask her for what I wanted. This usually happened around New Year as and in a pretty simple way. I would go on my house balcony at nighttime and shout to the stars my gift list. Oh. And I can guarantee you she would never fail to make me happy and bring me pretty much all I fancied. In my family, La Bifana always left her presents near the, preci the precipice. As my grandparents lived in an attic apartment above us, we would end up having two precipice under the same roof and she had the habit to leave her presents at my grandparents. The candy and everything small enough to fit was left inside a stocking. All the rest was nicely placed around, ready to be unwrapped and enjoyed. She would usually bring me books, colored pencils, perfumes, and little toys. Although one year, I remember she made me very, very happy with one of those fashion wheels that used to be in vogue in the mid-80s you could create all those drawings of clothes <laughs> with. She would bring oranges, dried figs, figs, dates, and peanuts. Candy was, however, her pièce de résistance, and it was not regular candy, but all the stuff you were less likely to get the rest of the year. Chocolate cigarettes and chewing gum, sugar coal, which I'll talk more about, in black, pink, and white, torrancini, and, and typical candies of Piedmont consisting in a whole hazelnut surrounded by hazelnut chocolate and covered with sugar sprinkles, always wrapped in a shiny, colorful paper. What a feast I would have for the following days. And then she talks a little bit about, um, this is actually the first piece where I heard about the um, tradition of the, the Mother Nature imagery. This is coming from mm -hmm. particularly a lot of Celtic tradition. And I'll mm -hmm. read her actual writing of it here. She says, uh, Mother Nature, tired and empty at this very time of the year, needs rest before being rejuvenated once again and bring food and sustainment to the world with the coming of spring. She comes then in the shape and habits of an old lady to leave mankind gifts of food and seeds for their living during the months she is to rest. So it's like she's providing for you to live when there's no farming to be done for the winter. So it's like she's like, I got to go take a nap. But here, kids, I know you're going to need something to tide you over. Here's some fruits and nuts and little candies and treats. Parcel these out. I love that. You know what I'm thinking of now? We're just talking about no, it's like, okay. rustic Christmas energy. No, good. I like it. But I'm thinking of like when I was when I was a child and would first read like the Little House on the Prairie books. And you would read about like Father Christmas bringing like an orange and like a little wooden cup and just being like, God, I wish that were me. <laughs> like as I sit there in my perfectly warm house with like all of my many cups and all of the citrus I could ask that's for. Definitely, but it's not the same. It's definitely a thing for like it hits it's different. definitely a thing for children who are very into like especially fantasy novels to like I've talked before about mm -hmm. dreaming of bringing my hard cheese and crust of bread with me as I venture yes. into the forest yes we, I get it it's it's very much like a comfortably housed child who is very into like fantasy books God, my kingdom for a rainwater and mint cordial I can sip as I sit on the riverbank. Um, but uh, I will say also that she, the, the writer of this piece, references to that um, the chimney connection is likely to come from the fact that a lot of the Mother Nature figures in pre-Christian traditions are goddesses of the hearth and the home. So... Yeah, so like when you were talking about Roman mm -hmm. goddesses, my initial thought was that you were going to say like... Um, oh, Hesta? Yeah, Hesta. 
I think there's definitely bound to be some overlap there, uh, but particularly the traditions and the and the New Year associations with uh, Strenua um, mm, come up. Yeah, that's but, fair. No, it's true. A lot of these are the goddess of the hearth and the home or figures related to the hearth and the home. Therefore, the fireplace, the literal hearth, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of overlap and it's not exactly a stretch. Um, also, I found multiple sources. The uh, the coal, obviously, once upon a time was meant to be actual literal coal, but now it's um, usually she brings, There's it's a tradition in Italy that there's this kind of, it's like this dark gray or black rock candy, and that's mm-hmm. coal, quote unquote, that she brings. Oh. So it's, it's, it's a sugar that. candy. Um, if you're not familiar with rock candy, like just in case, I always forget what things are like explicitly American. I don't know, like if other people, it's like... Um, it's like a candy made of like hardened sugar crystals, uh, and it's like little rocks. So that's kind of yeah. It's just it's just colored rock yeah. sugar. That's Often it. Co- yeah. Sometimes they add a little flavoring to it, but yeah, it's just basically like sometimes you get them on like um, what essentially amount to uh, like dull little dowel rods, and they're called swizzle sticks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's essentially. I don't think it looks. I haven't. I didn't find pictures. It doesn't. I don't think it's on like a stick like that. But yeah, it's like a crystallized sugar rock candy and that's what usually now coal refers to <laughs> that's fun yeah i think it's quite sweet anyway I like that that is uh from that particular little piece and then i have a couple little funny things to wrap up with but before i hit them i wanted to talk i found a blog from fairychamber.com which is a, a site that talks a lot about like kind of um it, it, it's someone exploring kind of their uh, their pagan faith and their relationship to these figures, like a lot of these figures, like a lot of fairy figures and a lot of these uh, like divine feminine figures. And specifically, they had a little mm-hmm. article, a little entry about divine grandmothers in myths and folklore. And it came up while I was researching La Befana and Mother Nature. And so I just wanted to talk about how a lot of, a- across a lot of countries in the world, there are these figures of old women who are these very like, kind or these figures that represent like giving or prosperity care Mm -hmm. support like nurturing um they represent the crone aspect of womanhood and the dual role of being connected to aging dying and nature and often connected to the idea of rebirth so there's the finnish goddess of the earth akka uh who it was also an that's apparently an old finnish it's a term given to a woman an honorary term given to a woman who has reached a very old age um there are also areas in Finland where the word means grandmother. And then in modern mm-hmm. Finnish, it kind of means old hag. So it's not as much of a oh. <laughs> nice one. But like traditionally, much more of like a like an honorific sort of term. But um, about a 7,000-year-old story. Um, and she's uh, apparently based on a Lithuanian earth goddess. And is there's a little bit more like about the actual myth of her, but it's essentially a, an, old, an old woman grandmother figure representing the spirit of nature. Then there's, of course, Baba Yaga. She comes up here. Uh, We did a previous episode on Baba Yaga, and I think Mm -hmm. it's very interesting. I often think a lot about the parallels between La Befana and Baba Yaga because they're ostensibly very similar figures, except that one of them is this, like, benevolent, happy holiday figure and the other one is sort of a villain figure or at least presented as one. I don't see Baba Yaga as a villain as well. I've, as I've talked about, she's much more neutral than anything else, but Mm -hmm. there's that she also pops up. And then there's actually uh, references to like just the idea of the babushka, which is the Russian word for like grandmother or older woman. 
Um, and then there's the Celtic mother of the mountains. And God, I should have sent you the name of her before I left. I've got some bad news. Yeah. I've got some bad news for you. What? Well, I have two pieces of bad news. One is my search history is wrecked forever because I typed a La Bifana into Google and immediately <laughs> tried to fill it in with looking for Santa Claus fan fiction. Uh-huh. Um, but what I was looking for instead was La Bifana x Baba Yaga fan fiction. What'd you of find? Which, of which none exists. However, one of the first results is Harry Potter and the Baba Yaga chapter one. On cool. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Oh my god, it's rated M. I don't want to think about that anymore. Thank you very much. Maybe we'll read it on the Patreon if people want Baba that. Yaga becomes free and finds her house at a strange place far away from where she would prefer. In Britain, she learns about Lord Voldemort and a boy named Harry Potter. Stop this. Curious of how a child came to destroy, she seeks the boy out and adopts him. <laughs> I mean, it's better rated- than the Dursleys. Rated M to be safe. It's probably for all the cool stunts and swears that Baba Yaga does. (laughs) Okay, I apologize for interrupting you, but I thought you needed to know. The piece was just, it was also talking about this figure that I can't pronounce the name of, who's the Celtic mother of the mountains, worshipped in Ireland, Wales, and Scotland uh, in the long long time ago times. Um, Mm -hmm. Another just older woman nature figure and then i'll just read this little bit right here um called the divine grandmother seasonal tides of the year have become associated with the ages of human life in the springtime young maiden dances carefree and beautiful she matures into an old crone of winter a cycle that reflects the seasons upon the earth fairy tale of baba yaga tells about the maiden accepting the crone aspect within herself across cultures old age has been connected to witchcraft in fairy tales we come across two kinds of grandmothers little red riding hood's kind and caring grandmother and the cannibalistic hag witch in the story of hansel and gretel yet the image of the grandfather is missing the archetype of an old wise wizard is never attached to a woman and rarely he has children rarely does he have children this is a reflection of patriarchal societies of the past the divine grandmother is the mother nature herself she is not to be tamed or controlled in nature time loses meaning everything dies to be reborn again life is a constant cycle that keeps recreating itself so that's beautiful and makes me wish i hadn't ruined this with Fan it's fine. It's kind of the <laughs> essence of the podcast distilled into one particular moment, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about there's a movie. Ooh. And you're going to love it. Alex, you're going to love this movie. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so it's ready. It's called The Legend of the Christmas Witch. Um, this is uh, a summary pulled from CineEuropa.org. Um, which is a website dedicated to, as you might imagine, European cinema. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, this, yes, this, yes. I'll read you the synopsis, okay? This movie came out in 2018, was released in Italy and Spain. Here we go. During the day, Paola is an ordinary primary school teacher, but at night she turns into the Christmas witch. <gasps> oh my God. A magical creature who brings gifts to the good kids. One night, Paola disappears, kidnapped by Mr. Johnny, a cruel toy maker who got his childhood ruined by the witch and is now seeking revenge. A group of, oh my six, God. A group of six brave pupils who found out their teacher's secret will live an extraordinary adventure to rescue her. Will they be able to save Paola and Christmas? Oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> yes alex yes oh my god i love that yes alex yes 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 <laughs> god, it's everything um to me. there's a line 
I think this must be a translated, but there's a, a I read there's also a review of the movie. And it seems we're finding it. And this is next yes. year's Hallmarked. The movie seemed to really enjoy it, actually. Um, or the review seems to really enjoy the movie. Um, now I need to I really read you, enjoy the movie and I've never seen it. I need to read you a quote that is in the review. I imagine this is a translation because the review is in English Please. and the quote is also in English here. Now, here we go. Also, the woman who plays the Christmas witch is an actress named uh, Paola Cortalesi. So she is a like her, her character's name is her name, which is always something I enjoy. I love when that happens. So here we go. This is a quote from the movie. You ready? Yes, yes, yes. He gets to travel in the comfort of a sleigh. He bags himself an amazing costume. He's the brand ambassador for the most famous fizzy drink in the world. And me, not so much as a laxative commercial, chauvinists. Oh my god, this is my favorite movie. When people ask me what my favorite movie is, it's this one. It's The Legend of the Christmas Witch. This is the best movie. Yes, it's The Legend of the Christmas Wish. Christmas Witch. Christmas Witch, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yes, correct. Yes, so, uh, oh my god, sorry, I kept reading it. Um, oh my god, I need to cut off, but like, she, she's a primary school teacher, she's 500 years old, but by day she only looks 40, and she's a teacher. At the stroke of midnight, she's turned into the old woman, Labifana, and remains so until the break of day, where she heads down to her secret workshop where she wraps all the presents, which will need to be handed out on that fateful night between the 5th and 6th of January. Thank God. And most importantly, where she keeps a safe distance from her boyfriend who doesn't understand why they can't ever sleep together because at night she turns into Lovafana. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I want to watch this so bad. Alex, you're going to lose your mind when I read you this next bit. Oh my God. There's more? Combining 1980s teen cinema with popular what? Italian folklore is the stated aim of those behind this Christmas film, where six fearless bike riding kids embarking on the first big adventure of their lives brings back memories of childhood classics such as The Goonies and Gremlins, and the pint-sized actors belonging to the ragtag gang in action here are utterly charming. Oh my God. You can't see this, but there are tears streaming down my face. I found you. I found a movie for you. I'm losing my mind. Anyway, um, this is the best movie ever made. I know this. It was produced by Andrea Occupancy. It was produced for me. Yes. Um. So. 450. This is my hole. It was made for me. We have to find it. I don't know how we how we can. It came out in I 2018. I don't know, but we have to find but it. But we have to find the legend of the Christmas witch, um, or the Italian title, uh, the Italian title La Befana Vienda Notte. So, uh, <laughs> I was really excited to drop that on you. I waited for a really long time. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. Side note, I'm not actually... Oh, you can watch it on Prime. Oh my god, really? It's on Prime. <laughs> Alex, we have to watch it. Holy cow. Um, well, we'll do a special uh, international edition of Hallmarked. Where Thank we talk god. about the legend of the Christmas witch. Mm. Oh, I love it. I'm so ready. <laughs> anyway. I'm so um, ready. <laughs> I wanted to uh, end the thing by talking about... Uh, this is very much just kind of for me. But um, I wanted to end by talking about the kind of foods that you do on the Feast of the Epiphany, uh, like traditional oh, yeah. Italian foods. Um, I found a little uh, a little uh, entry by Michael Sanfilippo, um, who wrote, writes about some of the traditional Italian Christmas dishes. Just because, um, if I'm being completely honest, I love food as just like a general thing. And also I love food as culture, food as like... Um, food as community and food as celebration and all that totally. kind of stuff. And I like seeing what things... Food as offering to a Christmas witch. Yes. 
And don't forget, I said it already, don't forget to leave wine out for her. Some of the entries actually specify that you should leave out Prosecco, which is perfect for celebrating a new year. So leave her a nice sparkling Italian wine. <laughs> so some typical Italian Christmas dishes include um, bacala, which is a salted dried codfish, vermicelli, baked pasta, and turkey. Traditional Christmas Eve dinner includes seven types of fishes. We talked about the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, includes drowned broccoli rabe, fro- roasted or fried eel, and caponata de pesca, pesca? fish salad. Pesca? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Help me. Just go. It's fine. Traditional sweets are also important items from the Christmas menu in Italy. Many of them originated in convents where nuns made special types of sweets to mark major religious holidays such as Christmas, presenting them as gifts to eminent prelates and to the noble families from which their mother's superior came. Every convent made a particular kind of sweet. I'm like bouncing because I'm like, this is like my jam. These desserts include Neapolitan honey pastry, fried pastry ribbons sprinkled with powdered sugar, dried figs, candied almonds, chestnuts, and marzipan fruits and vegetables. Not to be missed are the sweet breads, panforte, a specialty of Siena, pan dolce, especially of, a specialty of Genoa, and panettone. And I've had panettone. It's good. Oh yeah, panettone is good. A traditional Milanese Christmas bread, the legend goes that panettone originated in the 16th century when a baker named Antonio fell in love with a princess and baked a golden buttery egg bread to win her heart. Mmm. That would win my heart. Mmm. Ah, uh, yeah. A golden 100%. buttery egg bread. Ah, oh, God. Good stuff. Anyway, it also is embellished with uh, candied red cherries and green citron as a patriotic gesture starting in the 19th century with the unification of Italy. Uh, this is just food facts, by the way. None of this has really to do... This is the part I've, I've justified. This is um, talking about a La Befana dinner or Feast of the Epiphany. And then it says, like I said, and what could be more appropriate than a glass of sparkling Prosecco to ring in the new year? I mean, they're right and they should say it. And then this actually has a little entry um, on some other with actual recipes as well. But then that's its own thing. If you want to find the recipes, it's this is pieces on thoughtco.com. Um, and it has some recipes for a few traditional Italian Christmas desserts. Oh, um, nice. It's traditional Italian recipes for the holidays. And anyway, that's that's all of that. And I just, yeah, I love it. Some At some point in the future, when this holiday season rolls around, I would like to do some stuff that doesn't focus as much on Christmas, because even though that's the tradition I've come from, I know that it can feel kind of alienating mm-hmm. this time of year. I have a lot. I have friends who don't practice Christmas, like that that's not their holiday. And I know that from them that this time of year can be kind of alienating and can feel a little like the world isn't really made for mm-hmm. you during this time. So I wanted to like address that I know we've been kind of Christmas centric and I'd like to like know more about other like kind of wintertime holidays going forward and genuinely if you have like a holiday that centers if you have any kind of non-christmas associated like wintertime holiday creature or spirit or folkloric figure that you think would be cool to cover on the show i'd really like to hear about it yeah absolutely so anyway that was its own note that was just its own thing of me like giving a little acknowledgement to that because I tend to we tend to pull from the thing that's familiar to us which is awesome totally. and great and and I like talking about it but I also never want to make people feel excluded either you know oh yeah and it also has to do with you know for a time of year that is so dear to so many people it's easier to make fun of the things that belong to us because exactly. we know at least then like it's hard to punch down with Christmas right <laughs> you know it has 
it, it's yeah. It kind of does have a, a capitalist stranglehold on the world at large. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I mean, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> um, we can hit Christmas, and Christmas can take it. It really, um, really can. But like, anyway, but truly, if you do have like a, a, a folkloric story or a holiday being that is near and dear to your heart, and you would love for us to to celebrate it and, and laugh about it and enjoy it on mm-hmm. air, um, we would love to hear about it. Absolutely, thank you. And then also, I wanted to plug like. Um, uh, talking about like the gifts, we we're talking about like the gifts people get at, at Christmas time and around this holiday, and sort of like what those things can mean. And uh, I wanted to say something that uh, my family always really liked to do. And if you can participate, obviously not everyone has the extra money or the mm-hmm. extra time or what have you to do it. But a lot of towns, uh, particularly they used to do it in malls, but a lot of towns in general will have like toy drives and just sort of uh, and and opportunities to sponsor a family or a child for Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to plug that in particular. It varies, yeah. unfortunately, from town to town, so I can't give like specific recommendations. Um, I know Angel Tree was one in Virginia. I don't know about that's the problem. I don't know like specific specific names, but it's 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 not too hard to find if 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 you're moved by the giving spirit and you want to do that. A lot of places do toy drives too. If you want something a little more general and not sponsoring a specific. If you're not able to, like, hunt down a specific, like, hunt down a family. That's not what I meant. Um, that's not how I meant to phrase that. <laughs> Ooh, doofa, doofa. It's like, eh. anyway, I'm, like, rambling now because this is not something I, like, this was not something I, like, planned to talk about. I just was like, I want to mention this is important. But, like, if you can help people and look out for other people. Because uh, while there is the capitalist stranglehold of the holiday season, um, it's nice to remember, like, what... The, like tradition of gift giving and stuff is actually meant to be about yeah absolutely um my my also recommendation would be and this is because i work in the i, I work in civil service i <laughs> spend my life thinking about and, and looking at communities and something that um that is very near and dear to my heart is uh, that this year for the first time i had the chance to host a, a friendsgiving which was very wonderful to me and i i loved that a lot but i just i i'm here at the holidays, I'm thinking about how many people I personally know and um, adore who, for whatever reason, may not be in a position to visit their families, whether it's for travel reasons or um, simply because being around their biological relations is not a pleasant or even safe experience for them at this time of year. Um, So if you have the opportunity, if you have a place to make a safe haven to, you know, bring some people into it, whether it's on the actual day of the holiday itself or not. Um, just consider, like, setting aside some safe and sacred space for you and the people you love and just saying, like, hey, this can be this can be our thing today. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a really nice thing at a really isolating time of year. So, And um, if you celebrate Christmas and perhaps you don't have a uh, mom that is very supportive, uh, I would like to just say that I am your mom now. Hello. And I'm your dad. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Are you we are doing co-parenting well? this podcast together. Are you doing okay in school? You Have you been eating enough? Sit down. I got you another flannel. I didn't know if you would like it, but I knew that I liked it. <laughs> Let's listen to some Bon Jovi. Watch the Holman Garden Channel with me. <laughs> I just think the Property Brothers are so cute. I bought another fishing magazine. I'm not going to use it, but I like the pictures. <laughs> I was reading the new Southern Living and I found this pecan pie recipe. Let's make it together later. Oh my god. I thought this year we might set up a Christmas train. We've never done it before, but it seems neat. I was thinking trains could be a thing we do now. (laughs) 
gonna lose my mind. <laughs> Let's go see Little Women in theaters together on Christmas Day. Okay. <laughs> now I'm just saying things my mom has said to me, but um, but like in a weird, stilted way. If you've got to imitate someone in the pursuit of motherhood, there are oh, choices. Oh, you sent me the link. Oh, the- I sent you two links. <laughs> I- Thank you. A Christmas gift for me. So anyway, um, I think this is the last one, the last episode we'll be putting out before the holiday hits. So, uh, uh yes. Yeah. Considering the holiday is next week. Yeah. I just realized that that kind of snuck I up know. on me. So it really, uh, it really do be like that. Yeah. So if you're celebrating, whatever you're celebrating and if, if you've already celebrated, hope you had a wonderful one. And if you haven't yet, I hope you do have a wonderful one, whatever it is. And I hope you spend time with people that you love and make you feel safe and happy and full of all the, uh, good, um, orange and fig and date energy that we <laughs> were talking mm. about today. I really want figs, but <laughs> and um, stay warm and and have a lovely holiday season. And as always, <laughs> we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Pretty, witty, and gay.